0: Hello and welcome to the New York Beef Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Rodriguez, registered dietitian nutritionist. The New York Beef Banter Podcast was created by the New York Beef Council as a way to connect consumers with beef industry experts to give you a spot at the fence post to a candid and transparent conversation about beef and what it takes to put it on your plate. All right, everyone. I have just one question today. Are you ready to banter? Today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Katie Carpenter. She is director of New York Ag in the Classroom, as well as Brian Barley. He is the STEM director at the American Farm Bureau Foundation for agriculture, Brian and Katie, thank you so, so much for joining us today. So Katie, if I can kick it off with you, can you tell me what is the role of New York agriculture in the classroom?
1: Sure, well, agriculture in the classroom, we are an outreach program of Cornell University. We are funded by state taxpayer dollars through a grant each year from New York State that's then funneled to Cornell University, for us to help classroom teachers uh, in the formal education setting. So pre-K through 12th grade teachers who have no background in agriculture or a limited background in agriculture and help them use food and agriculture as an authentic lens for learning. So we take what that teacher has to teach for their academic content standards. Uh, and we put the lens of food and egg on it. So we give them real experiences their students can grasp onto with the hopes that at the end of the day, students are academically successful because they remember the things they touched or taste or experienced um, as it relates to how something works or what, what they might see on a test in the future. Uh, And then we also hope that at the end of the day, those students become more agriculturally literate. They can understand and communicate the source of value, source and value of agriculture as it impacts their daily lives because they're touching it and and, uh, experiencing it every day, uh, whether they know it or not.
0: Wow. It's so nice as a New Yorker to hear about tax dollars going to something so positive. (laughs) That is just, we hope so. (laughs) Yeah. That's so fantastic. Can you tell me uh, about some of the programs you've enacted that you're most proud of, or you might be looking forward to?
1: Sure. So we are really proud that we get to interact with teachers, uh, all day, every day. Um, we really love our professional development trainings for teachers. So getting a chance to bring teachers to a farm, uh, let them talk to a person in agriculture or in food systems, um, food. Fruit- food procurement and processing, we love anytime we can get their hands dirty and we can show them some lessons, um, let them taste and experience food and ag because we really see them as the gateway to talking about these projects and programs in their classrooms. Uh, One of our favorites, along with all of our beef projects that we get to do, uh, is our schoolyard sugaring maple uh, maple syrup contest where uh, we consider maple... (laughs) Oh, very fun. It's a very sweet contest. Uh, So, With maple being the first crop of the year uh, in New York State, it's great students get to bust out of the classroom. You know, we see photos of them running out to their sugar bush, any trees that they may have that they've tapped with their teacher um, in the classroom. And then while they're making maple syrup, hauling in heavy, heavy bags or buckets of sap every day, um, they're learning vocabulary. They are talking about hydrometers and they're understanding, understanding bricks content and sugar content uh you know in in sap and the maple syrup that they eventually boiled down and of course there's a very nice reward at the end because they get to um eat their their syrup or take some home Um, but they also send it in to us for judging so um it's just a really easy way for teachers and students to get excited about understanding food and ag in their communities
0: wow that's that sounds super duper fun brian i'll pitch this one to you first Why do you think it's so important to bring the beef piece in particular to the classroom?
2: I think that's a wonderful question, Nicole. And um, I I do believe that beef just provides the production of that particular product and line just provides such a rich context for the exploration of science. So at the foundation, um, we we do quite a bit of of similar work that Katie does with New York Ag in the Classroom. Um, And that's why I believe these two programs mesh so well together. Uh, Recently we've been really carving out a niche in specifically science education. So how do we develop a system where we can put um, scientific events and phenomena in front of students to get them to wonder and we're trying to get to those students who are three, four, maybe five generations removed from agriculture To start seeing the possibilities of this field and so beef provides that in in so many different opportunities from ecology through genetics to nutrition and food safety there are just countless opportunities to explore beef production with that scientific lens or rather flipping that exploring science with a beef lens Um, and so recently we've started to develop and design materials that are designed specifically for the K-12 framework of the next generation science standards. And so as we dig deeper into that, I've continually uh, looked at this work as not necessarily work I'm doing for the beef checkoff, but rather work that I get to do with the beef checkoff for teachers. And so trying to shift that paradigm is like this is a true partnership that we're trying to do some really great things for all kids in science classrooms all across the country.
0: So you're talking about some of these new science standards right in the beef industry, how will the consumer see the impact of some of these new standards and which area in particular do you see as the greatest opportunity for growth in the beef industry.
2: That's a great question. Um, I think this is, if you if you frame this up as a long-term plan, right, because Edu- education always is, it's a long-term investment. So we're looking at how do students experience this if they've never experienced beef production or the beef industry at all? And so as a consumer, I would imagine uh, that you're gonna see some correlations between just understanding production, food labels a little bit better, they're going to be understanding and better consumers of um, and critical consumers for that matter of information that they might be finding online. So, you know, having the wherewithal to stop and think critically when you're reading an article that doesn't quite connect with what you've learned in the past, I think is one of those really good benefits to having more food and agriculture in your general science courses, because there's so much information out there. And, you know, if you get onto the, <laughs> the interwebs, you get out on the world wide web, it, it is a little bit like the wild west. And so oh, there's yeah. just so <laughs> much stuff out there. We hope that we can pro- provide Really great resources to enhance critical thinking so that all students have the opportunity to experience agriculture at some level, be it through the materials uh, that Bag in the Classroom provides, you know, that gateway that Katie discussed and talked about, that just gives that introduction, that really deep introduction to these concepts and, and, and builds that appreciation. To these very specific science resources that are that are really geared at this moment through six or twelve. Uh, we hope to expand that, um, but really focused in on what is the science that drives production decisions, so that when we hear words like sustainability, you know, mm-hmm. that word in itself is so big and so broad that if we don't start breaking that down into smaller, bite-sized consumable pieces, we we run the risk of really diluting any type of solution we might create because it's so vague. So we hope to be able to provide students with opportunities to see what are the solutions already in place? Because beef certainly does do that. They are working towards solutions in this field that people might not be aware of. And so even building that awareness or giving opportunity to explore those solutions, we hope will snowball into Uh, a desire to continue down that path of learning about science and learning about agriculture in this particular instance, beef production.
0: It's really heartening to hear that as a dietitian, especially because there's a lot of talk in the nutrition community in certain spaces that Unfortunately, we don't get a lot of exposure to agriculture before we get to our DPD. Those are the classes we need to take before the dietetic internship. And there's a lot of talk about how can we reach students who are in high school? How can we get them some of that context, some of that critical thinking so that maybe they won't, we'd love to hear that they'd hear that and say, oh, I wanna enter one of these fields, but at the very least, Um, creating consumers with context and the ability to think critically so that's that's really exciting to hear, especially as someone who's a who's an urban dweller here in New York State, so thank you for all of that work that you do. Um, It would be nice to hear that some of these students and get all these learnings and insights from you and that they might actually want to jump into the beef industry itself so. Uh, Katie or Brian have you had students have these like aha moments and say wait a minute this is something I want to be involved in and how do you kind of guide a student with that interest level into a pathway into the beef industry?
1: Well I think you hit on in the second piece of your question really the key how can you be part of this industry because at the end of the day we have this incredible career awareness that happens as we move through a program such as our one of our flagship programs which is our top cut beef contest this is an opportunity for students to take a beef recipe have some dollars in their classroom so they can do some recipe development and then they get a chance to become marketing experts if they want to serve that beef recipe in their cafeteria, they need to do a cost analysis. They need mm. to create marketing elements. How are you going to get people to to buy this product? But then they also have to do the research. They have to figure out some statistics about their target audience. What kind of t- market testing are you going to do? Who is your target audience? And as students are moving through each and every step of that product development experience, they're re- realizing that the world of careers within beef or agriculture are wide open based on the things they like to do. Maybe they realize they like to be in front of the camera and making the sales pitch or doing the podcast. Maybe they realize they like to do statistics. They really like to crunch the numbers about what this product is going to cost, what my packaging is going to cost. I like doing the investigative work to find out what kind of packaging options I have. Uh, And that marketing cross-curricular experience um, of product start to finish has been really exciting for both our students and our teachers. So I will never um, not push somebody towards a career in farming or agriculture or raising beef cattle, but I think that we need so many of our students um, to think about what career in agriculture might be best for them because uh, our workforce depends on not just the people who are producing the food, but who can transport the food, market the food, uh, and make sure that it's, it's safe for all of us to consume. So we, we need all those incredible minds of our students today um, to think about the future of beef tomorrow. And this is one small way we can do that.
0: There are so many different moving parts, right? So someone might come into your classroom and just think, oh, I'm going to learn about quote-unquote farming and, and that's it, right? Or quote-unquote ranching. But just, you know, as you just mentioned katie there's so many other roles that you could potentially play in this industry so that being said what's the what's either the biggest aha that you've seen in students and or educators since your programming has started and what's the biggest misconception about beef you've had the pleasure of busting brian i'm going to turn this one over to you first
2: sure no problem Um... Yeah, I wanted to return just really quickly to and just talk a little bit because I think it'll be a a perfect lead up to as well. Our program, Um, as we look at how do we get these materials in teachers hands, we look at how do we set up a coordinated system of support for those teachers. And so if you think of a three legged table, our system of support includes high quality materials, high quality professional learning experiences for educators. And then the third leg of that table is partnerships. And so it kind of comes back to that, getting the opportunity to do work with, Um, And so as we start to set that up, one of the things that we have seen very uh, often, time and time again, is when we give teachers the opportunity to connect with experts in the field, say a geneticist or an embryologist, um, a meat scientist. I mean, that's something that most of our teachers had no idea existed. You know, they didn't know that a meat scientist was like a thing, but it's a legit, deep rich science field Um, and i've had countless teachers say you know this was just i never thought about it in in the terms of farming and production is one side of it but there's this whole support system that comes along our food supply chain that offers countless opportunities for our students and one of the things we build into all of our materials all of our professional learning experiences are those partnerships and career connections Um, and so that does lead up to almost some of those big aha moments uh, I had a teacher. We we were giving a lecture with a um, with a with a, a professor from UC Davis who is a geneticist. And one of the teachers said, "How am I supposed to get kids to be interested in beef genetics in the inner city of Los Angeles? Like, I'm I'm teaching in South Central. How does this possibly work?" And she was so quick with her response. She said, "I was born in Melbourne, Australia, in the middle of the city. I had no idea about the United States cattle industry, let alone <laughs> cattle themselves. You know, so." Here I am, and now I am a geneticist because I pursued this love of science into that. And that's kind of one of our uh, effects that we hope to build. Um, some of the, big, the biggest uh, beef myth bust, I think. What our last, we have a, a program called On The Farm STEM. It's an immersive experience that takes the next generation science standards and applies them to a professional learning experience for teachers to develop classroom lessons and support materials based on that experience. And time and time again, the issue of sustainability comes up. And as these teachers get to meet and interact with with ranchers and farmers um, and producers all across the spectrum, time and time again, our perception change is significant nine, 10 percentage point changes in in positive perception toward the beef industry saying, okay, I had no idea that these are the efforts that are being put into place. One just story that stands out in my mind, and it's even my own (laughs) kind of um, lens that changed. uh, And and this changed alongside a bunch of other teachers. We were exploring the differences between grass-fed and feedlot produced and finished. And there is a perception that, you know, one way is the only way and the best way. And that tends to be, you know, this idea of grass fed, which gets tends to be romanticized. And I don't want to say that there's anything bad with it, but our whole goal is to say, what are the trade-offs? If you go a hundred percent that direction, what are you trading off on the other hand? And one of the things that we had um, an air specialist um, at UC Davis, again, who is lecturing with us about methane he said, one of the things you must consider is that if you were to take the whole, assuming the herd stays constant, you switch it all over to grass-fed beef, you will increase your greenhouse gas emissions significantly. I think the number, and this is off the top of my head, so it might need some fact-checking, <laughs> but I think he said something like 80% uh, increase in, in greenhouse gas emissions if the whole system went that direction, and that was a huge aha moment where they said, okay. We've been putting way too much stock on one specific solution without considering what happens if we do that? Or why do we produce things the way we do produce things? And once you start asking the why questions in a safe place built on trust, you have this great environment for teachers and producers who might not otherwise work together, come together and have discussion about how does this science impact production, which ultimately in the end, and this is the aspirational part, and this is what gets teachers excited: is how do we how do we get students involved in the idea of food security? And that's what what really drives the adoption of these materials and saying, okay, yeah, agriculture belongs in my science set. Um, so I think I kind of roundabout answered that question, but there's like all these myths around sustainability, and I, and I think they're more just um, it gets presented so one sided that that the biggest myth I see getting busted is that there is no silver bullet. There is no one one size fits all kind of situation. Um, and time and time again, our teachers are just fascinated by the opportunities and the possible um, connections they can make.
0: Uh, you're, you're giving me goosebumps with this whole <laughs> little uh, route that we just went down. I just came back from a conference actually with New York Beef. We're talking with Dr. Sarah Place. She's on another episode of Beef Banter. So it's a big sustainability conversation, right? And we do need to talk more about trade-offs and what that word really means and and so on and so forth but you touched on such a great point about taking that love of science and seeing where that can go and where that can go in the industry and it's another instance of there's so many moving parts and so so many possibilities. Yes, it could be meat science or you could be studying air quality. You could be a soil health specialist. There are all these different aspects of agriculture that the beef industry does touch. So again, um, and as a mother of a seven-year-old who this morning, told me, she's always said, oh, I want to be a scientist. Then this morning she said, you know what? I think I want to be a farmer. I want to go to, I want to go to a, I want to go to a ranch this spring. I want to see everything. So hearing about what you all do is, um, I'm maybe a little biased, but it's, it's super duper inspiring. So cool. So you partner with New York Beef Council quite a bit. Is that correct? That you all have, have hosted some virtual field trips and things like that? And you bring students um, actually like onto the operation via Zoom and other virtual platforms. So, what do you think is an important takeaway when you know students and teachers get to go on these virtual field trips?
1: I think there are two sides of it. I think you have the student piece and our exposure with students. And then we have kind of the next level experience with with teachers and thinking about your your aha moment moment or misconception, uh, doing virtual visits with teachers, uh, not just to farms, Um, or beef operations, but two, those additional sides of the industry are really important to us. Um, So we do, you know, with everything being virtual um, in in the world that we're in, um, we held a three-day beef experience professional development for teachers that was all virtual. So along with visiting one of our great farmers, um, we also brought them to a uh, a slaughter facility, and that is not something that we we try to have those conversations. We don't hide from it. We want them to see what's happening because when we were able to take teachers in person, um, that was one of our biggest aha moments. They walked into that facility. They saw how it was a calm environment. They saw uh, firsthand, had the experience because, you know, they walked in with a lot of perceptions um, and and what they um, believed was their reality of how this process works. Um, but allowing them to go into the space. And we were a little nervous about doing it virtually because how would that come across? Um, But it it turned out great because whether they were in-person or they were um, doing this virtual experience. They saw the human components, human and humane components of the of this piece of the industry. So they were able to see number one the number of people who are supporting their families by doing this work. That that human connection of saying you're working just just as hard as I am to ensure that we have number one that you have a safe food supply, but you're also um, supporting your family to meet your goals, um, just like I am in my teaching career. And I think that that was a, a huge moment for them to see just the scale and scope of the industry, um, to see the cleanliness of the facilities, to see the commitment to a safe food supply that came through both in person and virtually. So for, for us, those are the um, some of our biggest um, takeaways and aha moments is to not hide from anything so those virtual experiences of being in other pieces of the industry whether it's um, with a chef in a kitchen or whether it's in a um, facility where they're harvesting animals or whether you're on the farm talking to the farmer um, all of those connections are important conversations um, for them to feel like they have access to, an- to ask those questions and there's a big difference between students and teachers on virtual field trips students, it takes them not a moment to start asking all of their questions to the farmer. Um, I'll have questions coming in zoom, 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 uh, immediately about this and that the things they see on the screen, um, or things that the farmer is saying. um, And we can push those right to the farmer. Teachers, they take a little while to warm up before they start asking questions. So I think they get to be, they're a little more tentative um, during those experiences. But we really try to create a warm, inviting environment, no matter what the experience is. So they feel comfortable getting all of their questions asked. By the end, we can't get them off the virtual experience because they have so many questions and follow-ups that they want to ask.
0: So if... So if it's okay, I'd like to ask specifically, like what is, the, what is the reaction to seeing a processing facility? I mean, I think that's really brave on the processor's part and I don't know like how much you all are showing, but I've been into facilities and I know that we've been, um, I don't know, I know often the the processor is very choosy about who's allowed in, right? Mm-hmm. So what are some of the big questions that you get or what is the overall reaction there?
1: yeah like I'll just mention I'll let Brian jump in but I will just say there's been a shift in food and agriculture we have a number one concern and priority and that is the biosecurity of our facilities we want to make sure that every food item that exits in agriculture is held at the highest standard and uh that is, it's difficult to allow people in when you are doing that. And I think those closed doors for a long time led to people, some of this mistrust that we might have in our food system. So um, processes are realizing that we have to open our doors in many ways. Number one, for our students to understand what's happening behind those closed doors and those walls um, so that they have an interest in going into that career um, for their, their, their future and their families uh and number two um they're realizing that if people don't see what's happening if teachers aren't seeing what's happening there's no way for them to communicate that message to their students so um a big kudos to food and ag industries for opening their doors in those ways and not just in beef but in dairy and and everything in between
0: yeah i think that's how you i think that's how you open the conversation, whether it's social media, you know, I know there are a lot of folks just like literally showing days on their operations, right? But to see that um, processing facility side open up, that's really, really heartening. And I think it's, I, I mean, for lack of a better word, I think it's really brave and it's a huge step to let people see that and to see what goes on there. Brian? Brian?
2: It really is, yeah. I mean, Katie put that perfectly. You know, just the open door transparency is something that stands out with all of our teachers that come on to an event like this. And when we have tour uh, processing facilities as well, um, at first, same situation, it's a little bit, because we do deal specifically on our, on the farm STEM tours. These these are specifically science teachers. So it's a very, it's a pretty niche group. It's a small group specific. and know that you know science teachers are trained skeptics, right? I mean that's what that is what they are. That's
0: what they're supposed to be,
1: right? <laughs> educated to
2: do, yes. Um, so they come in, and we 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 really go to lengths to try to prep our um, our industry folks as well to be prepared for that. To know that these are asking questions and not questioning you. You know, these are just questions to try to understand. Um, and a very similar situation. The transparency is just so appreciated. Our teachers walk out and say, I had no idea. This was significantly cleaner, more humane than I anticipated. Significantly. Time and time again, people have said that. Um, you know, and if they're sitting down to a steak dinner or a hamburger or something like that, you know, they, they have reported just in our back and forth conversations, our banter with the teachers, just, I have a new appreciation of how this arrived here. I, I know a bit more about it. You know, this this to me... I can kind of put aside some of those other perceptions I may have had. And I know that the person who handled this animal did so with a ton of care. On our end of tour perception data, we score in the higher 95 percentile of folks saying that they believe that uh, producers, anyone in the food supply chain is handling those animals with extreme caution and care and w- in, with the utmost uh, concern for the animal's well-being. We consider that to be a success, but that's a success built on partnership. That's a success built because people were willing to open their doors and allow folks to, to, um, to just observe, to sit back and observe. Um, on top of that, so that's like kind of the perception-y side of things. The opportunities that come up for classroom, are tremendous, really. This is actually, processing ends up always being, um, believe it or not, the event of the event (laughs) where people walk out going, okay, I have a whole new appreciation for food safety, you know, controlling the environment, That is all scientific in nature. What kinds of solutions can be uh, created from an engineering lens to even make this process even more efficient? And there are so many opportunities we could get our students thinking about for the future. And this would be something they're interested in. So, you know, you have the perception side of things where there's an appreciation of, okay, I've checked some, some of my ideas at the door and I'm coming in with an open mind now and I'm seeing things with fresh eyes. And then on the other end, when we come out on the other end, we constantly have teachers talking about, okay, this is going to make for a great lesson or unit on uh, controlled environments, on how we can set up systems and processes to accomplish a common goal. Um, so it's, it's a fascinating thing and a really cool uh, opportunity and just partnership to be able to come alongside those teachers as they go on that journey.
0: I couldn't think of anything more heartening to hear that someone goes on one of these tours and then contacts you later and says, I feel better about what (laughs) I'm eating right now because I saw the process, because I saw the people behind that process. Right. right? And and what you all are bringing is is that's just so powerful, really, really powerful. Uh, I just want to close with getting an idea of some like actual numbers, yeah? So currently how many different beef centric lesson plans have resulted from New York Ag in the Classroom partnering with the Beef Council? And how many students do you think annually in New New York utilize these lesson plans?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Uh, So we are offering upwards of five different beef experiences per year. And those come in a long form experience to a short form experience. You know, a long form would be our top cut beef contest. That would be um, multiple weeks, up to eight weeks of interacting with beef Um, and we usually have about uh, 67 classrooms who participate in that experience so we're upwards of about you know 1200 students going through a pretty significant uh, long-term project. Uh, for our virtual field trips, we could be anywhere from as that you know, one-time experience and sharing lessons and tools and resources uh, to pair with that virtual experience. Um, we could be seeing about 4,000 students per virtual field trip. So I say we have a pretty significant number of our program that revolves around BEEF and, um, and, and thousands of students who get a chance to interact with BEEF throughout the year.
0: And, and is yeah, this good. statewide?
1: We do. All of our programs are statewide experiences. Uh, so any teacher can sign up. But we also have some teachers from out of state who participate also because they're interested in, in making sure their students have these unique experiences around food and ag.
0: Now, if a teacher in New York State is listening right now, and maybe this curriculum is not yet in their classroom, can they connect with you directly? Is there a website they can visit and get more information?
1: You bet. I would really encourage them to come to agclassroom.org forward slash ny again agclassroom.org forward slash ny and this is the hub of everything that uh, we work on so scroll to the bottom you'll find a little newspaper click on that sign up for our newsletter Uh, and I'd also really encourage those teachers to come to our national agriculture in the classroom conference we're hosting that conference this year June of 22 in Saratoga Springs New York and we'll have along with great professional development workshops happening throughout their conference experience. They'll also get a chance to possibly sign up to visit a beef farm and have a a experience with our awesome New York Beef Council. So that's a, a really a high quality dynamic professional development experience. And I would encourage any teacher to come to that conference
2: fantastic it's fantastic yeah our our program for on the farm stem has continually grown over the last couple of years Um, it's a nationwide program so we don't focus specifically on one state we've grown our list of teachers up to about 2500 teachers um our our virtual professional developments typically have anywhere like this last year maybe there was a little bit of virtual fatigue but we had about 250 attend each professional development and that was three or four so we're looking at 750 to a thousand teachers who attended those in the year prior to that, we had a 1,000 on each of those. Um, so that's how we've continually grown those particular, um, that side of the virtual professional learning experience. The On the Farm STEM program is, a, is, a, um, is, like I said before, an NGSS-specific science education program. It's designed for teams of teachers in grade bands six through 12, teams of five to six teachers and an administrator. We really see the value of making sure that CNI directors principals join their teams of science educators, so that they can help implement this across their curriculum. Our main goal of that the end result of that particular on the farm stem is to come out the other side and have things that are immediately in, uh, implemented in the classroom and have staying power. Um, so maybe they're teaching genetics, using um, you know, a healthcare lens our. Hope is that they consider and adopt an agricultural lens. And that's just one example that would then essentially become another option for educators to put in their classroom as part of their curriculum scope and sequence. Um, that program is looking to, this year applications will be opening, and you can find that at onthefarmstem.com. So just go to onthefarmstem.com and the application link will be up soon. Uh, I want to say by the end of this week, I think it's going to be up and open for applicants. We also hope to expand that and start doing some statewide implementation, and this is where I'm so excited to be partnering with New York Ag in the Classroom and looking at how can we provide that very niche, that specific science education aspect to some of the things that are already happening. There's there's so many groups like Katie's group that are doing wonderful work out there at the state level that we feel like there's there's an opportunity for us to work together to provide a full package, comprehensive educational experience on the farm STEM. And so we're looking at how does that look from the science lens and and what does that mean to adopt those portions of on the farm STEM at the state level. Um, so we're hoping to, to move forward with that. New York certainly will be one of our first out of the gate as we pilot that. And we have two other states um, that we're, we're looking into, Colorado and Washington as well. Our national event, just for any teachers that might be listening in, will be in Oklahoma this year. So as you look and see the um, application come up, there would be in Oklahoma City will be the hub and we kind of go from there to different uh, ranches, farms, um, science institutes, universities, processing plants, things of that nature. So um, yeah, we continue to hope to build this program and, and get wider and wider. We know that most of our teachers report about a class size of 25 to 35 students. And so if we can count on those teachers implementing those in the classroom, we're, we're seeing our numbers grow significantly over the couple of years.
0: Uh, I just can't applaud you two enough for everything that you're doing, obviously making a huge impact on students, on teachers, and ultimately on consumers. So I thank you both so much, Brian and Katie. I hope you all will check out both of the websites that were mentioned there to maybe get some of these programs in your area. If you all enjoyed what you heard here today, I hope you'll come back for the next episode of Beef Banter. This podcast is funded by the Beef Checkoff. The Beef Checkoff program was established as part of the 1985 Farm Bill. The Beef Checkoff assesses $1 per head on the sale of live domestic and imported cattle, in addition to a comparable assessment on imported beef and beef products. States retain up to 50 cents on the dollar and forward the other 50 cents per head to the Cattlemen's Beef Promotion and Research Board, which administers the National Beef Checkoff Program, subject to USDA approval. Consumer-focused and producer-directed, CBB and its State Beef Council partners are the marketing organization for the largest segment of the food and fiber industry.